Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back to another edition of Football Theory here on On Texas Football. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rob Babers, pleased to be joined by another Lifetime Longhorn, but also a fellow football theorist from inside Texas. Uh, he is my man. Also, he is the author of America's War Game on Substack. Don't forget that. I can't forget that's one of his many accomplishments. He's my man, Ian Boyd. What's going on, Ian? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Rod. We got snow on the ground here. <laughs> oh, man. I know. Cold. Feels like the holiday season, but, but it does. Doesn't it feel like the holidays? It don't feel like the holidays down here. I think it's like um, like 60, 60 something low sixties. Hey, mm. I missed I missed that, but I only want to deal with it like one or two days. I can't deal with it like you guys. Weeks and months on end. Nah, it's alright. It loses its luster after a while. It takes a while. It takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, how how are your holidays? First of all, your holidays were good. Family. Yep. Yep. Really good turkey. Got my turkey. You know what? I was I was trusted to put the rolls in the oven. Uh-oh. Oh, don't tell me you messed it up. And, and well, there was no clear responsibility for who was going to make sure how long they were in there. But I was watching some football, and I come back, and I was like, hey, uh, should those rolls still be in there? And then oh, the, no. the host family, the, the our friends that were hosting us, the wife was like, oh, no. But <laughs> For her great credit, we had two extra pack of rolls for leftovers. Brilliant. And we sit, I, I almost ruined my own Thanksgiving. <laughs> you almost ruined the rolls, man. That's crucial. Almost, that's it for me. That's and I said, don't you make the roll? You don't want you make yes. the roll a little spam. Yes. I remember this. Yes. Oh man. Almost up in smoke. <laughs> yeah, you gotta yeah. set that timer, man. I, the timer is your friend. I've realized that too. My wife has got me on it too. At, and no matter what I'm doing, I set a timer for it, boom, goes off. And I remember, oh, I did have something going on. There you go. Yeah, when, you, when, you, when you're multitasking, got to set the timers for stuff. Um, all right, well, the Longhorns did a lot of multitasking versus Texas Tech. So we'll get into that, of course. Uh, they put an Old Testament-style butt-whipping on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So we'll get into that. We'll also preview Texas Longhorns in the Big 12 title game against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. It is fitting that on their way out the farewell tour, they do have to see Gundy. You can't avoid them. Got to see Gundy, baby. All right, so we'll get into it. That's going to be fun to talk about. But before we do that, Ian, how about this little goodie? Um, and just in time for us to do football theory, minutes ago, literally minutes ago, the all Big 12 footballs, uh, football teams were announced for 2023. So the uh, football awards I, have been announced. I have not heard these. So everybody's going to yeah. watch React Live. So the All Big 12 honors, this is it. I'm reading to my man Ian live on air because he has not seen these just yet. Uh, so let me just pull it up here, make sure we got it pulled up. And I was, oh, you know, and I'm going to give you my opinion then. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Here we go. All right, so for the Offensive Player of the Year, Ali Gordon, running back for Oklahoma State. Okay. So Texas will see the Offensive Player of the Year in the Big 12 title game. Defensive player of the year, Tavondre Sweat. I did see that. That's a beautiful thing that the offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year will meet in the Big 12 title game. And there will be some downs where literally we'll have to see Tavondre Sweat get to take on Ollie Gordon. I like, Go ahead. I like that they went Sweat because his stats are not like, uh, you know, amazing. He had, I got his stats right here 40 tackles, 80 tackles for a loss two sacks and four pass deflections. Yep. That's not remarkable, but no. he is remarkable. If you watch him, you understand like this guy's dominating games. Yep. That doesn't always show up in D line stats. So I'm, I'm glad that they still gave him the nod. I agree with that. It's a, it, you're right. It's an, he's an eye test guy. Cause the stats aren't eye popping, but if you watch him, you go, well, damn, he's dominating this game. They can't block him. Uh, offensive newcomer of the year, A.D. Mitchell. Texas wide receiver. Um, defensive newcomer of the year, Austin Booker from Kansas, the defensive lineman. Oh, yeah. You like that? Kelvin yeah. Banks called him the hardest guy to block he faced all year. Recently. Wow. That's a hell of a compliment. Yeah. Uh, offensive freshman of the year, Rocco Bett from Iowa State. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I may not, it may not be a better case than Rocco Beck. I'm trying to think if there is. Maybe there is not. Okay. He's redshirt freshman. I always, yeah. 
I'm always a little bit, you know, okay. Skeptical of that. Okay. <laughs> Defensive freshman of the year, Anthony Hill. I like sure. that. And then Ben Roberts, Texas Tech linebacker. So two linebackers make defense a freshman of the year. That's a okay. Uh-oh. Displeased. <laughs> you don't you'll see you happy. Those are two very different players in quality. Ben Roberts played because he had to. And he piled up a lot of stats because somebody's gotta make the tackles. Like he might be, <laughs> you know, he might be pretty good in time, but I don't know. I think I, what, I know. I agree with you. You're talking about he's, maybe he's got a lot of productivity, but Anthony Hill has more splash plays or maybe more happy yeah. plays. I don't know. I haven't looked at Ben Roberts' stats. I will admit that maybe he does have that, but um, I don't know. That's a good. I, I know sure, Anthony man. Hill probably deserved it. I haven't watched a lot of Ben Roberts. I'll admit. Um, special teams player of the year: Austin McNamara, Texas Tech punter. It's a good player. Um, offensive lineman of the yeah, year on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. He lost his uh, deep snapper, man. That sucked. Yeah. yeah. And lose your deep snapper. Well, this lost a deep snapper in like the first quarter. I'm surprised they didn't get more uh, block punts actually in that game. But he also, I mean, like he was sitting worthy at better than viewers did. Yeah. Worthy did have some night. I mean, Worthy's, oh, you know what? Gundy brought it up too that takes this like plus 300. And yeah. punt return differential. Texas has a good punt return game. We really don't talk about it. And we'll get into that in the Texas Tech game because special teams, I think, really won the day for Texas. Um, defensive lineman of the year, Byron Murphy, the second. How about that? I like that. So they divided up. I mean, you could you could have given that to Devondre Sweat. You could have just given them both of them. But I'm glad they gave my man Byron Murphy some love. They could have given them both of them. Sark actually asked people to do that. Monday. To, to divide it up? Yeah, must have had a lot of Longhorns voting in this. I like that. They're like Kelvin Banks told us Booker's the best, so we'll vote for Booker. And Stark told us to split the vote for Sweat and Murphy, so we'll do that. It's like Kirk Bowles got twenty votes or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, but I, I like that though. I like that they gave Byron Murphy some love though, because it's easy yeah, to forget yeah. about his contributions. He's been he's been amazing too. Uh, uh, the, the the coach of the year is Mike Gundy, and I totally agree with that. I do. You think anybody else deserved coach of the year? Sark should have been in the conversation, of course. But man, what Mike Gundy's done is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, uh, it really is. Venables obviously had a good year. Yeah, that was a good turnaround. That was a great He's turnaround. Back on track. Climbing is terrific every year. And uh, Matt Campbell. He almost. It was. It, yeah, that's true. To make a bowl game. He had a little bit of a – he couldn't quite pull off the forgot about Dre season, but he came pretty close. Like a lot of people had them in the bottom of the league. That's lost a, lost yeah. like four starters to gambling. And mm -hmm. then, yeah. Managed a crisis. I mean, straight, they were straight up in crisis mode most of the start <laughs> of the season. And then he able to manage that crisis. And write the ship. No, that's a good one. No, they got a lot of good coaching jobs in the Big 12 this year. All right, let's well, go all Big 12 first. Sorry, go ahead. There's just a lot of good coaches. Lance no, Norfolk, Lance yeah. Leipold. Oh, backup quarterback all year long. Lost the offensive player of the year in the preseason pick for the offensive player of the year. That's a great point, bro. I, that's one thing I've loved about the Big 12, and I'll admit we're going to miss about the Big 12. I think the Big 12 has always had damn good coaches. Um, they're creative, they're, they're problem solvers, something about the ecosystem of the league that has bred and really done a good job nurturing really good coaches. I do truly believe that. Yeah. That's what, that's, that's like the thesis of my book, Flyover Football. Because you've got all these programs that care deeply about football, but they're all demographically limited. And, uh, they're, and they're also all connected to Texas high school football. Mm-hmm. Just like create that. this laboratory for innovation and cutting edge. Yeah, check it out on Amazon, people. Fly over football. That's how you sell some modern football. That's how you sell some. Boom. I like that. That's brilliant, brother. Actually, that is brilliant. All right. First team all big 12. Quarterback Dylan Gabriel. If you disagree, I won't you know I mean or vehemently agree, whatever. Just let me know. I'm just gonna roll through them. Dylan Gabriel's quarterback for the first team. 
Ollie Gordon running back, along with Taj Brooks from Texas Tech. Fullback. You like that? I yeah. I, I actually argued with somebody that was trying to tell me that Brooks is better than Ollie Gordon. Uh sorry, Jonathan Brooks. Oh. And uh, I was like, if you watch them on the goal line, they're pretty different. And that's a pretty important part of being a quarterback, uh running back. But I kind of wonder, Taj Brooks really showed me something in the Texas game. Yeah, he did. He had nowhere to go, and he still picked up yards consistently. I I don't know if I don't know if Todd Brooks isn't actually the best running back in the league. That's you know what I I will say I, I'm with you. I did not think he was going to do what he did. He rushed for almost 100 yards. I mean, he had five yards per carry versus Texas, and a lot of the time, the I I thought he was shut down at the line of scrimmage, and he would force a missed tackle or break a tackle and get to the second level. Um, but Ollie Gordon is, I, he's special. My, I love that the comparison that uh, Jerry Hamilton makes is he's a low budget, Eddie George. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I like that low budget, Eddie that's George, good. not bad. That's not, that's exactly. Like, that's not bad, not bad. Um, okay. So fullback, Benson, not, uh, Benson, I hope that's on. I didn't mean to mispronounce his name if I'm not pronouncing it wrong. The fullback from Kansas state uh, wide receiver, Javon Baker from U, uh, central Florida, Drake Stoops of Oklahoma, Xavier Worthy from Texas. Tight end, Jared Wiley. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, yep, yeah, go, go ahead. Do it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I, I don't know. We, we can go on. I mean, maybe that's right. It just makes you feel like the league's offensive decline has never been better summarized. That's what I'll say. Also, Mitchell is better than Stoops or Baker. I agree I with that. I understand not putting him in there because the production is is divided. But if you were like draft, so it, this, I'm I'm fine with the list. But if you were like drafting a team, you take Mitchell over. Yes, over those guys Agreed. for sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Um, but Drake Stoops, yeah, he's got a lot of catches this year, a lot of productivity. Um, JT Sanders and Jared Wiley are your tight ends. Uh, o lineman uh, Dominique Puny from Kansas, Cooper BBK State, Patrick Paul from Houston, Kelvin Banks from Texas, uh, Zach Frazier from West Virginia. Your place kickers are Bert uh, Bert Auburn, and your kick returner part returner is Xavier Worthy. Bert. Yep, pretty good, about, right? How about defense? Uh, you got defensive line Tremon Morris Brash from the UCF. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Caesar from Houston, Austin yeah. Austin Booker from Kansas, Byron Murphy from Texas, Tavondre Sweat from Texas, D lineman. Uh, I don't know about that. Which one? So, some of those. Questionable? Like, yeah, I mean, I wonder what Rondell Bothroyd's final stats were. Maybe they weren't very good. But I feel like that guy was made things difficult for teams from Oklahoma. Um, Jalen Hutchings, Tech looked he looked pretty good in his absence against Texas last Friday. Spoke a lot, yeah. Spoke just spoke very loudly. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> um, some of the Iowa State guys, I don't know. That's a good point. They, they I feel like they they always stack it with. Um, Edges and ends that have gaudy stats. Stats, yep. And then if there's a defensive tackle who's famous enough, they get in there too. Texas had two of them. Well, yeah, Texas had two of them this year. Okay, linebacker. Danny Stutzman at linebacker makes it. Nicholas Martin, who Texas will see it coming over from the state. We'll talk about that. And Jalen Ford of Texas make it at linebacker. That's a good. That's that's pretty solid actually. It's it's gonna be hard to crack that. Um, DBs. Jeremiah Cooper of uh, Iowa State, TJ Tampa of Iowa State, Kobe oh. Bryant of Kansas, uh, Billy Bowman of Oklahoma, and Beanie Bishop Jr. No, come on. No. <laughs> Wait, man, what you got against Benny? Jade Barron. Yeah. How is Jade Barron not in there again for the second year in a row? They screwed him, brother. I know. Uh, yeah, oh, he makes. Let me go to the second team here because he definitely makes the second team. He's like, he's yeah, 
he's like Tavondre Sweat. Second team. Where your awareness of his genius depends on your ability to apply the eye test. But you got to watch the games. Right. Yeah. Watching the games and you see like, oh, he actually his blitz and his adjustment is what caused the interception that you realize the domino effect of their, you know, of their impact. I'm with you. I'm yeah. mad. Not for my guy. This is two yeah. years in a row where he's been arguably the best defensive back in the league. And last yeah. year he didn't get any mention. And then this year, not on the first team. You're telling me he's on second team. I don't care. Yeah. I still get the pitchforks on Twitter. Some BS. I, no, man, you're right about that. That 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 hurts. I gotta go look at those other guys' stats. I know TJ, I know Jeremiah Cooper led the, the league in interception, so he gets that. TJ Tampa. Um yeah, I mean, his stats aren't his stats can't be that much better than Jay Barron's. I just think he's a guy that had the um the name recognition um for most of the year. I got to go look at the other guys to see how deserving they are, but Jaday Barron is certainly deserving. Uh, just the Texas guys that made the second team. Um, uh, well, I'll just give you the whole thing real quick. Will Howard, who's transferring, by the way. Weird. Yeah. Uh, de- uh, quarterback Devin Neal, running back uh, from Kansas. Wait, wait. So how do you feel about Will Howard over Quinn Ewers? Do you feel okay about that? Uh, it's interesting. Um, how much time? Yeah, Will Howard missed a little time too. Then he just got – Benched once was that what happened? He rotated with Avery Johnson. I gotta go find out how much time did he miss if he missed any. Maybe they're holding that against Quinn that he missed two games. Could they just be holding that against him? I thought Will Howard missed some time, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he just rotated. I think maybe I think they're holding better than Quinn's. And I think they're holding uh, the Quinn missing time against him and. Yeah, because you know Will Howard's not throwing the football, so I don't know if his numbers could be better than Quinn's numbers. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I running back, I feel super strongly about it, but I don't, I don't really know if that's like a. Uh, like I, I, I bet it is he. I bet it's him missing time when he when he started missing those games. I started forgetting about all the awards and you know accolades for Quinn, and I was just looking at his achievement as a quarterback and his progression and evolution and development because i didn't i thought we started missing time unless your numbers are super gaudy it's really tough to start you know because dylan gabriel is going to be first team quarterback that was goes without saying he's going to have to crack the second and you know the big 12 don't have a lot of good quarterbacks so it's a good point uh jonathan brooks and devin neal your running backs uh fullback is steve klotz of iowa state um wide receivers jalen noel of iowa state brendan presley of oklahoma state ad mitchell of texas uh, tight end, Cole Taylor, uh, O-lineman, Kingsley Suomataya of BYU, uh, Luke Condra of Cincinnati, Andrew Rame of Oklahoma, Brandon Coleman of TCU, and West Virginia's Wyatt Millam. Uh, place kicker on the second team, Alex Hale of Oklahoma State, and the kick returner and punt returner is Matthew Golden of Houston. Second team uh, defense, Tyler Batty. Uh, BYU is on the D-line, along with Dante Corleone of Cincinnati, Jam- Jamari Caldwell of Houston, uh, Khalid Duke of Kansas State, and Ethan Downs of Oklahoma. Uh, linebackers, Jason Johnson, Austin Moore of Kansas State, Jason Johnson's UCF. Linebacker, Colin Oliver of Oklahoma State. And their DBs are Kenny Logan Jr. of Kansas, Kobe Savage of K-State, Josh Newton of TCU, Dadrian Taylor Demerson of Texas Tech, and Jade Barron uh, of Texas. And Ryan uh, Rako makes it as the BYU punter. There you go. Yeah. I I feel bad. For, I think Jade Barron is probably the one, like you pointed out, that's probably most upsetting for Longhorn fans. Quinn Ewers, nah, it's understandable. Jade Barron's not understandable. That's oh. – that's, uh, that's that's unfortunate. I hate that for today. I predicted he would be first team too, so I was wrong on that prediction. All right, brother. Let's talk about Texas Tech a little bit before we get into breaking down the Texas Oklahoma State matchup. Because uh, I I'm with you. I think both of us have a huge amount of respect for Mike Gundy, and we did that Mike Gundy's gonna come in here with a hell of a game plan. And as him, you know, being coach of the year, I think it might be fitting because it might be his best coaching job ever. But let's talk Texas versus Texas Tech. 
Um, not a lot to get into because it was just such a thorough butt whipping. Um, <laughs> it's not a lot to dive into in terms of the X's and O's investigating matchups. Just give me your uh, your thoughts overall. What were all phases? You know, what kind of were the biggest themes for you? I think to me, special teams really stood out. I, I, I think it might have been the best special teams performance I've ever seen from a Texas team hmm. in the game. I mean, it's up there. I don't know if it's the best, but it's one of the best I've ever seen or witnessed or been a part of. So they blocked a punt. So that's, one short, that's one short field. They returned a kickoff. Yep. Touchdown. Uh, they returned at least two punts to like midfield yep. or further with Xavier yep. Worthy. They had another one that was called back on a tiki-tack call, right? Or was that Iowa State? No, it was Iowa State. I think that was, they had one called back. It might have been. I mean, the game gets away from me. There's a lot going on. <laughs> uh, they made three field goals, all of them 30-plus yards, one of them 50 yards. Uh, they put Texas Tech inside the 20, I think, two times. Oh, yeah, with the punt. Yeah, they pinned them inside their own territory twice. They did give up one return that set up a Texas yes. touchdown. You're right. The coverage gave up one. You're right. It did. It was like a it was like a near perfect game where the other team hit like two home runs in the ninth inning. And you've already won. So it's not a perfect game anymore, but it was still like the pitcher completely dominated the game. <laughs> That's what it feels like. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> No, so, Dray, was it Dray McCray? I think it was Dray McCray who did, who returned it. I remember because he dropped the deep pass earlier in the game, and I thought he made up for dropping that pass because he had a great return. So I think it was I, him. I think eleven and a lot of eleven and one has to do with uh, special teams and defense. And uh, when we get to Oklahoma State, special teams I think is going to be huge in that game because uh, Gundy's all about it, and Gundy's all over it. He knows how much Texas is, how much margin they're getting against teams with special teams. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right. He he pivoted in in his media availability. He was being asked about Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat. He cracked a couple of jokes, gave a couple of backhanded compliments about, oh, Texas always has guys like that. Oh man, we we'll just have to block them. We got to double them. We got to do it our thing. Oh, that's my Gundy. Um, and then he said he just literally pivoted, like talking about them and said, you know what I think about is that they're plus 300 when it comes to punt return differential. And I was like, damn, he just broke that out. I was like, wow, that guy is all into the details. But to your point, he's keeping up with that stuff. In his brain, that's, he got special team stats that he's thinking about because Texas gets a lot of their advantage on special teams. So great special teams performance. Burt Auburn, uh, we just gave you there as the first team all Big 12 kicker. So uh, it, it's, it's fitting. He had a great performance and he went on one of the hot streaks. I also think – the ascent of Burt Auburn has helped Sark now because Sark is taking the points now. He's a little bit more trustworthy of his kicker. The reality has set in that they're just terrible at red zone offense, and it's okay, and it's okay because nobody's perfect. You know, I mean, I tell my wife all the time, like, I'm devoted, but I'm not perfect. Like, hey, I'm flawed. Texas is flawed. They're, they're, it's all right. They're just a bad red zone team. And at the 12th game, last game of the season, you know, we can accept that, and Sark has tried – every possible remedy to fix it. But with that being said, now he does have a kicker, though, that he can trust can give him those points. And I think now that is kind of – it's a symbiotic relationship forming that Sark, even though he feels bad about not being able to score touchdowns in the red zone all the time, he's, he now can can take those points and trust that his kicker will cash in every time. And I think some of early on in the season when Burt Auburn was inconsistent, Sark justified his red zone uh, eagerness or over-aggressiveness by saying, well, I got to do it. I can't risk my kicker missing the field goal. Now you don't have that excuse anymore. Yeah. I think he also um, – the analytics say to go for it a lot. Yep. And I think he was playing to that to some extent. And then at some point it was like, you know what? We're a defense and special teams kind of team. We are not the God mode offense that people thought we might be in the preseason because of all our talent. We have these like key limitations. Yeah. 
we can score in bunches, but we're just not that team. So let's just play to our strengths and kick field goals and punt well. And yeah, exactly which right. is exactly how, Gundy, exactly how Gundy does things. So that's, you can tell that, like, I swear Gundy, <clears throat> we, well, I guess we should talk about Arch Manning, but then we should just jump right into Oklahoma State. Yeah. Gun, part of what makes Gundy so effective in, in coaching in all these tight Big 12 games and why they win so many games every year when they just don't have advantages over other teams mm-hmm. is he's really good at special teams and he's really good at like um, his teams don't get crushed by the swings of college football. Momentum, the momentum shifts, the momentum shifts don't ever crush him. He's like always yeah. stoic and he's always like, well, you know, it's like, he's playing black blackjack. Mm. And he's like, it's all right. You keep hitting on. Yeah. I don't really, I'm, I don't know the, the, the wisdom on what you do. Yeah. Black- well, no, it's just 17, right? So, yeah, yeah, basically, like, he always – I'm with you, though. I get it. I get he it. Knows those, he knows those rules, and his team is designed to play that way. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, we're going to punt. I know that we're down and we need to score, but we're, we're going to punt, and that's probably more likely to play to our favor. And they got a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds, too, and they might screw up, and then, and then it's our time, you know? He's one of those guys where he seems like he's going to take a lot of risks, but he doesn't take a lot of risks at all, actually. He almost lets your over-aggressiveness or your risk work against you while he rides the wave. <laughs> he's kind of he rides that wave instead of being crushed by that wave, more so. That's yes. Now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I – and I've always admired Gundy, man. I've admired him from day one just because of that, and he always does more – uh, with less. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to Gundy. Obviously, we're talking about Gundy now, but I want to talk about the offense just really quickly uh, from that Texas Tech game and what stood out. Uh, the running game obviously was the the standout feature on offense. Uh, they dominated in the running game. You talking about Texas Tech might have been uh, missing one of their better rush defenders in that game, and uh, it was pretty obvious. But Texas um, found another, found another way to have a hundred yard rusher. Now, this time it was Jaden Blue with the 100 yards. Uh, last game ended up being uh, Cedric Baxter with 100 yards. Is it – because when Jonathan Brooks went out, the assumption was, man, this offense, at least the running game, um, it's definitely going to regress somehow, some way. It hasn't really regressed. Is that just the competition? Is that the O-line now starting to find their rhythm and find their groove, um, continuity on the O-line? Is it the play calling? What is your theory as to why there hasn't been a huge regression in the running game without Jay Brooks? And we know Jay Brooks is special. Is a good yeah. short choice is a great coach. That simple. Brooks was really good at maximizing runs. He's really good at like setting up the second level defender or the third level defender that would be coming down to make the tackle. Yeah. Setting him up and making a move to pick up a few extra yards or to get some explosive gains. But I think um, I think the line is playing better, and uh, I also think that Texas run game is largely a feature of their passing game. Hmm. Yeah, like you just cannot deal with Mitchell and Worthy, and still have guys like the geometry works against you. It's like, well, we we got to get a little deeper. We got to get a little wider. Yeah. Sure, these guys don't kill us because Quinn can hit them, you know, all over the field. And now we just can't get there at the same time and place we would against another team to stop the run. Um, so I, I think the credit is distributed. Like Baxter is running a little better and a little harder. Jaden Blue is really good. There's probably a little less separation between like Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue than we mm. might have guessed. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of talented guys in there, but I, I think ultimately, you know, the skill talent and the nature of the passing game for Texas this year is such that like, if you put Taj Brooks on Texas this year, like 2000 yards, Ollie Gordon on Texas this year, 2000 yards. Hmm. Yeah. it's a good point. Cause you're just running through, you know, toilet paper with what teams <laughs> have to put up there and still be, you know, sound against the passing game no it's a it's a mathematical equation you can't solve right it's 
I got to keep a safety over the top of A.B. Mitchell. Um, or And I got to try to double X-Man, safe, bracket X-Man, safety over the top of A.D. And then I got to try to find a way to throw another guy in the box. Oh, but I'd also like to make sure I keep an extra guy for JT or at least a DB out there for JT. So I want to be in a sub package because I don't want JT matched up on a linebacker. That's a nightmare. So I'm lighter in I'm lighter in the box, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so and like you said, did you then I'm backing my guys off because I'm scared of the Texas hitting those shots on us. And that and you're playing everything hesitant. Yeah. Because it's all RPOs and it's all misdirection and motion. And you're just never rushing in to stop the run with. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All guns, all your guns blazing. Yeah. Yeah, Sark wants you a half a step, half a second behind or delayed. That's the whole point of it. And that's all they need, especially with those quick hitters. They've been getting a few of those lately, too. Um, no, that's a good point. I like that theory. All right, let's get into, because I, I, I think one thing I noticed in that game, and I thought Sark would would play less of it, but he's playing uh, probably around the same amount. He's playing more of the pony package, the 21 personnel. The 69-yard run by Jaden Blue was out of that 21 personnel. I don't know this, and I looked into this too, and I want to get your thoughts about it because I've been tracking it for a couple of years. One of my, you know, one of my theories early on back in the day was that, you know, if Texas used more 21 personnel back when Tom Herman was here, this is back when they had Keontae Ingram and Rojo, if they used more 21 personnel, two back sets, pony packages, which actually Jeff Trailer and them liked when they were here at Texas. Remember, they were using some of that. Was it with, oh man, I want to say it was like Chris Warren and, it might have been like Deontay Foreman back in the day. I'm not sure. You remember this uh, vaguely? Where they'd run like pony packages with two back, two tailbacks in the backfield. But anyway, I saw it briefly. I thought to myself, man, they got to start running more of it. It would work itself out. Fast forward, Sark used it in the NFL to follow my man Shano because he wanted to transition their 21 personal offense with a fullback into his offense. But he used two tailbacks instead when he came to Texas. Still used it. Why not? Because you got the two best you know, tailbacks arguing the best running back room in the country with Rojo and Bijan, boom, you get it. So I've been tracking the productivity of it. And every year of the Rojo and Bijan, it was your most efficient and most effective and probably your most explosive personnel package, right? Highest yards per attempt in 2021, your highest, uh, highest explosive play rate in 2021. In 2022, it's still tracked. Highest yards per attempt, highest yards per play, um, highest explosive play rate, highest completion percentage. It tracked. And I think to myself, well, it was because of Bijan and Rojo. And then once Bijan and Rojo are gone, those numbers will drop off. And they haven't. Like, it's still your highest yards per attempt, your highest yards per rush, your mm-hmm. highest yards per play. And any personnel grouping this year is out of your pony package. You're two backs, one set. And it, it, so it's not, my theory was that it was Bijan and Rojo. That is not it. Nick Saban says, I did some rabbit holing and looked into Nick Saban talking about, he says, he said, because, and Sark does this, he said, because people think it's a two-back set when really it's a three-back set with the way a lot of teams use the Y and the tight end slash H-back into these um, different formations. So he said, ultimately, for him as a, a defensive mind, he said it throws off the angles that for the defense. He said it throws off the numbers. He said, and it throws off uh, the strengths, ultimately, the way they shift and move around the Y and make it a three-back run instead of a two-back run. I've got down into it. I mean, what it basically comes down to, I think if you could present teams with power personnel packages, you can pivot to pass principles really easily, which you could do out of 21, but still doesn't explain the higher yards per rush either. It's just, I don't, It's they should run more 21. More point pony package. So here, here's a good. They should maybe major in this next year. And here's here's a good question for somebody I think that explains why it can be so good. 
which is uh, what's the difference between 12 personnel and 21 personnel with a second running back? That's good. Because in 12 personnel, the second tight end usually has a pretty easy blocking assignment. It's like maybe trap an end on the backside of a zone play, but sometimes it's trap like a linebacker or a defensive back on the back end of a zone play, or it's lead up to a linebacker or a defensive back. Um, it's just not that demanding. Yeah. Because when teams run the ball from 12 personnel, the second tight end is usually a receiver. So they don't want to give him anything that hard blocking wise. So there's like this wide package of plays you can run. But the thing is, you could do the exact same thing from 21 personnel. But now your your uh, personnel is a little more flexibility. Because like your, your second tight end and 12 personnel can be a blocker of sorts, or you can be a receiver. If you replace him with another running back, he can be a blocker of sorts, he can be a receiver, or he can get the ball out of the backfield, especially if you like line him up next to the quarterback. Yeah. Now you have all these layers of misdirection you can add, right? That are like really brutal because the defense doesn't know who to key. They don't know which running back to, to follow. If you have them split flow, it really creates problems. You can send one out in motion as a receiver. You can run wheel routes and flat routes and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I, the opportunities for misdirection and for yeah. easy easy completions into space to your most dangerous ball carriers, which is your running backs, are all really high. So yeah, I like that. Maybe they should uh maybe they should expand this against Gundy. Show him something on Saturday. No, no, I I'm just saying because Sark hasn't stopped. I thought he's I thought when Jonathan Brooks got hurt, oh he's definitely not gonna run as much 21%. So I put my notes away. Then I saw <laughs> I saw on uh, Saturday, I was like, he's still running 21% of that breaking big runs. It's, it's crazy, but you're right about the keys because Nick Saban brought that up too. He's like, he said, my guys' keys are all off. He said they're they're usually they they're pretty programmed on personnel package what to key this formation. He said their keys are off, and he pointed out teams don't practice against 21 personnel. They never practice against. He said he said he he was in the um I think he said last year against Tennessee they lined up in I formation and they had to they had to call a timeout because the team didn't know how to. They they didn't know how to they didn't know how to align themselves against I formation, just a just simple two back set, and I so it's a lot. But I love your 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 theory there, man. Your hypothesis might be right on the money. All right, let's move on. Let's talk since we're talking about this. Let's get into Texas defense and Leo's right into Oklahoma State. And we can roll into it. One thing I noticed that I think Texas may get into versus Oklahoma State because it's. It's a perfect lead-in. Tosh Brooks, you pointed out, maybe the best running back in the Big 12. His first team All-Big 12 running back. Ollie Gordon is Offensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. Also, first team All-Big 12. Tosh Brooks had 95 yards, five yards per rush against Texas. One thing Texas did defensively that I think was very different, they lined their both corners, boundary and field, played more bump-and-run coverage than I think they played all season long with both. Now, we know the boundary always plays press, man. The field was playing press man. And, and this was when, when Ryan Watts went out of the game. And they still decided to go with this initial game plan. So it was obviously something that was game plan specific. It helped them out a lot. I mean, obviously, uh, I think Baron Morton had 2.4 yards per attempt. That number was even lower when Texas uh, was targeted anytime they had both of their corners playing press man coverage. Is it something that Texas can use versus Oklahoma State? Or do they fear these receivers could make them pay for that. I don't think so. I think uh, these receivers, now they can catch jump balls, but they don't really run away from you. Okay. So like if you play press on these guys, they're like 6'2", 220, and 6'5", 210. So like maybe they throw it up on like Texas used to do with Colin Johnson all the time, Sam Ellinger. Maybe they do that. But I don't know if, uh, I don't know how high a percentage that is for Oklahoma State this year because uh, teams haven't really tried it because they're too afraid. Um, Cause most teams, if they're pressing up outside, they got to give their corners help. And if you yeah. give your corners help, you can't outnumber the run and stop Ollie Gordon. Exactly. But Texas is not afraid to play quarters and play press outside and then have the safeties like 12 yards deep, but flat footed. Flat footed yep. 
And so they can help against the pass and they can help against the run. They're not going to get there necessarily like on the spot for either, but they can limit the damage for either. And they feel good enough about their matchups in press man. And they feel good enough about their matchups in the box where they don't need their safeties to be there immediately. If they just come up in time to wrap it up or to clean up a, a small error, that's fine. You know, and exactly. I, I think that's kind of the, the big scare in this game for Oklahoma state is like, what if they take away all the easy candy Alan Bowman has been living off of all year and we can't do that. And then they dare us to run the ball on their front and then we can't now what? Yeah, there's like nothing else to the Oklahoma State offense. No, I'm with you. Alan Bowman. He's completing less than sixty percent of his passes. He can get hot. He can get streaky. He did in the second half versus BYU, um, but he's got more interceptions than touchdowns on the season. Uh, the offense does not want to have to rely heavily on him. It's about Ali Gordon, how special he is. And you're so you're riding the money though about Texas, right? Texas, even when uh, having a light box, which they can use a lot of, because that's having fewer defenders or six defenders in the box or fewer defenders than they have blockers because of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy allowing 4.3 yards per carry with light boxes in Big 12 play. Um, and you know, I believe if you look at the Oklahoma State offense, Ali Gordon is averaging 5.9 yards per carry. Um, against teams with loaded boxes, uh, against teams who basically have a, a throw everything they got, eight or more in the box. So they will still pound the rock against teams who load the box. Against Texas, it may not be a smart thing to do, um, but this will be the biggest test for Texas. This guy's probably going to win the Doak Walker Award. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's got better stats than the other Doak Walker Award finalists, and Texas has the best rush defense we've seen in years. So I think I'll say this about the wide receiving core. They are playing better. Um, they threw four deep balls against BYU. They were open. Allen Bowman just couldn't hit them. Guys were open. Allen Bowman just couldn't hit them. So Jaden Bray is getting healthier. Uh, Leon Johnson is playing better. We know Brandon Presley is kind of their main weapon in the passing game. Him in the slot is one thing that worries me. I think Texas can handle the wide receivers on the outside. I worry about Presley in the slot. He's twitchy. And he'll be basically lined up against Texas safeties. And that is a problem for Texas. Uh, they can bracket them, I think. And, that, and and Oklahoma State runs a lot of heavy personnel. They ran 11 personnel 51% of the time versus BYU. Hell, then they got in at 21 personnel 25% of the time. They ran 10 personnel 15% of the time. I mean, they're pretty versatile. And what they throw at you and I do think they're going to find a way to try to target those sets of safeties with Brendan Presley. I mean, obviously, when he's lined up to the field, he'll get Jade Barron, and then you're fine. Yep. But they'll do what everyone else did and put him in the boundary. And Texas, if, if they have any other answers for that they've been sitting on this year, now is the time to bring out Amen. those answers. And yep. you, everyone will say, just put Jade Barron on him wherever he goes. Well, you can't because then they'll just motion him back and forth. And then you got Jade Barron yo-yoing back and across the formation and trying to change the alignments and everything. You just end up – it's not very effective. Yeah. You got to like – you got to bump your linebackers or you got to rotate the safeties on the back end. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what they'll do. do you, I don't know if you have any ideas there. No, that's like that's the only thing that's scary in this game, really. I totally, I, I totally agree. Because I've been noticing people they've been putting formation in the boundary, and you'll see Jaday Barron basically become a deep safety on that field side, that lining up deep, and they put him in no man's land. Yeah, he gets stranded in no man's land. He's almost a non-factor in the play. I'm thinking that's that's actually where you want Jaday Barron out of the play. <laughs> if that if the adjustment is to put him that far out of the play, that's not a bad adjustment. And I can work with, you know, the other 10 defenders or they've been going a lot. Remember, Jade Barron at times will still come off the field when the opponent goes 40 personnel. They've been running a lot of 21. I wonder if they go 21 just to check to see if he's off the field. Uh, that gives them more to work with. Start it out. I, it, Gun, I don't think Gundy's going to do that. Because every team that's done that has paid dearly. 
They have. They don't like picks in it too. Because then you just get Alfred Collins or Vernon Brock. You just the problem everyone has with Texas is they can't block Murphy and Sweat. Goes without saying. And so if you add one more defensive tackle up front that you can't block, it just there's you're dead. You're just totally drawing dead. So I I think Gundy will see that and and say that can't be our plan. Maybe I, maybe he maybe he'll feel like they have to or he'll have some strategy for mitigating it. But I I as much as they've played twelve personnel and some heavier sets this year, I don't think Gundy will do that against Texas because it's just been disastrous for everyone that's done it. It was disastrous for maybe disastrous is strong. It didn't work for Alabama. No. And it sure didn't work for anybody since. So. No, you're right about that. Kansas State looked like helpless when they tried to do it. Iowa State was helpless when they tried to do it. I agree. Nothing's worked against Texas, though, except for what Taj Brooks pretty much did last week (laughs) and what Bama did in the first quarter in terms of traditional running game. This is the big test. This is the final exam. Wyoming. (laughs) Yeah, this, this is Texas' final exam. I mean, this is. Arguably the best is the best running back in the country. He's going to win that award for the best running back in the country. If Texas rush defense is as good as advertised, we'll see them have to neutralize uh, the best running back in the country to win the Big 12 title. Um, their bread, one of their bread and butter plays is the counter, though. They love the counter. Uh, they run it a ton. Um, they run, they run it the zone. They love inside zone. They love split zone. Those are their kind of bread and butter plays. They've, I think, broken tendency a couple of times to run draws and sweeps. But, man, Gundy's confident in what they do. They're not going to change up too much of the running game. Uh, they may run it from different pres- presentations and different formations and personnel groupings. But uh, you're going to see counter. You're going to see inside zone. You're going to see split zone. Yeah, Matthew, go ahead and give us exhibit one. I read about this on Tuesday. But – uh Texas has a really effective at defending counter and they'll kind of get like a two for one. The way they defend it is they have their edges wide and their edges are looking to box plays in from the outside end. Mm-hmm. And the advantage of that is that uh, like a defensive end who's lined up maybe inside of a tight end or somebody, when he gets a pulling blocker, he's like looking to spill the ball and send it outside which can be effective if you do it right. But it looks like a four-man front you'd think would be more physical, but it actually just tends to make the ball go outside. Yeah. The advantage of Texas playing with their like 2-4-5 with the edges crashing from the outside end is that when they get unblocked and there's a puller coming to block them, the end, Pete Kwiatkowski will teach his end to go and meet the puller as deep in the backfield as he can and just make a pile up. Blow it up. And so the ball either has to cut really tight inside without as much spacing or blocking as you're expecting to have, and you're running into the teeth of Murphy and Sweat and Jalen Ford, um, and, and the safeties know where you're going to be, and Anthony Hill knows where you're going to be, and it's just awful. Or you have to go the long way around your puller, and then now your running back is running yeah. not square to the line of scrimmage, and the safeties can see it and hawk down. So it's very effective. It's like a – it's sort of counterintuitive. You get these like lighter, faster guys on the edge. You'd think that'd make you uh, sort of softer in run defense. But it actually – when you play them this way and you box the plays in, it actually makes you into a more of a scrum run defense team. Yeah, you must have funnel. Funnel everything. Yeah. I think actually Brooks may have been more da- dangerous against it. Because Brooks would basically just like run into the back of his linemen and just like push them from behind. Oh. He would make a hole when there was he no would, hole. Yeah, he would, yeah. He would make, <laughs> Ollie Gordon is not really that. Ollie Gordon is like really good at like getting skinny and running with lean and hitting like a narrow crease and keeping yeah. his feet and then exploding out of it. And he might do that a few times against Texas. We'll see. But uh, if there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to make a play like Brooks did. So I mean, I this is gonna be a very tough matchup for Oklahoma State. They're gonna I don't know what they're gonna do honestly. It is, and usually when teams can 
uh, shut down their run by either stacking the box against them, which a lot of teams have done, um, or uh, being able to effectively really kind of shut down the the inside zone, the split zone. They'll go to their RPO game, and that's their answer. If Texas can you know, play some effective press coverage on the outside, uh, they really can shut down some of those easy tags for Alan Bowman. And I know that the slot, obviously, Brendan Presley, that's still the big concern. But you can still bracket that slot if you trust your corners on the outside to play press man and take away the easy, quick game for Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman is not great at, you know, once the once he's trying to complete that balls vertically downfield. As you pointed out, he's much better short, quick, first read throws. Um, if he's got to hold on to the ball against the Texas team, Texas will be able to get to him. And I think – He'll throw you a couple. And one thing I've noticed too, they got like he's got 11 interceptions. A lot of miscommunications between wide receiver and quarterback. They got like like two of those interceptions are him throwing an RPO where the guy was supposed to be there and he wasn't there. And it's 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 just it's still happening, actually. I think it happened uh maybe in that BYU game, actually. I think it yeah. happened. And that's a pick six usually. Yeah. Exactly. When you throw, when you throw to the flat and then it's the corner. <laughs> yeah, that one's nobody's there. Boom. House yeah. call. Um, uh, any other notes on the uh, the offense? I, I noticed that um, the tight end, Josiah Johnson, he's playing more. He had the most snaps this year for him. Um, and so he's playing more. That's something to look at. Also, uh, Braden Cassidy, uh, who's their fullback. He's number 90. Um, he's playing a lot. So they, and it, Which means they're very diversified in their personnel groupings they're using. They're using tight ends, man. They're using fullbacks. They're using four wide receiver packages. Texas got to be ready for all that. They're going to throw all that at Texas, I guarantee you. And last season, don't forget, this was the game where Texas could not stop the inside breaking routes. Remember the slant against Oklahoma State last year? They couldn't stop it. Um, I, it was it was, it was one – basically, I think they lost the game, actually, on a slant route that was thrown in breaking routes. Oklahoma State last year, average, they had 69% completion percentage. And they were seven of nine on slants alone, averaging over 11 yards per attempt on the slant. That's why Texas, that press man, will take away some of those easy, quick routes and some of those easy, quick reads for Allen Bowman. Um, that's something to look at as well. Any other notes on the Texas defense versus that Oklahoma State offense, Ian? Well, we should shout out Br- Braden Cassidy's from Westlake. Oh, nice. Tony Salazar <laughs> special. Defensive lineman, he had 13 sacks his senior year. It's one of those – it was like when Westlake was starting to pivot to become like this dominant defensive team because of hmm. Salazar. Okay. And he was one of the early like dominant defensive linemen there before like – he might have been the he might have been the class before like Burke and Vosick took over. Wow. On the end. Um, I'll tell you what I would do if I were Gundy. I would actually run zone read early in this game. Because wow. Texas's edges usually just play contained, and they're like, "You, you, that's fine. We're going to take away the run, the quarterback run. You can double our tackles and try to run downhill on our team. Good luck." That's their, that's Texas's philosophy against zone read. Okay. But if I'm Oklahoma State, that's better than uh, having to block him. Like I mean. <laughs> I may not, I may not like, I may not make major headway against Sweat and Murphy with double teams, but I'll make more than I did without them. That's true. Yeah. So I would, I would run zone read a few times and make sure that uh, the end stayed at home. Yeah, yeah. Now if they just crash down and tackle Gordon for a loss, it's like okay, we'll scrap that. Don't do that again. Yeah, but that's a good point. That's I. I you know what? It, it anything to try to try to make the uh, to give the numbers advantage to get the numbers advantage back because you lose it initially with Sweat and Murphy. You just lose it every damn time. That's what's yeah. killing me. Um, no, I like that. That's that's interesting. And you know what? That would be breaking Tennessee because I don't think I've seen that a lot. I think I've seen them run it in the red zone, I believe, but maybe not a lot. Um, all right, let's jump to the. Uh, so, you're not saving Bowman for the bowl game. And I'll say this too. This is going to be a Kalani Sataki in the post game when they almost beat Oklahoma State. And they asked him, you know, hey, what'd you guys do offensively? And, you know, what was the game plan? He said, it, we threw the whole playbook at him. We threw the whole playbook at them dudes. We threw it all. Offense, defense, anything that we hadn't used, we just broke it out. 
I think that Oklahoma State's going to do that to Texas. I think it'll be a playbook game. I think they'll throw out stuff, offense and defense, that you have not seen because it'll be one of those games where, hey, man, let's empty the playbook. Why not? We got nothing to lose. Um, let's talk about the, the uh, defense for Oklahoma State and the uh, the Texas offense that matchup before we wrap things up. Um, the, uh, the, the Sark was very complimentary of the linebacker play for Oklahoma State. I believe he actually said this might be the best group of linebackers they play all season, uh, which is a hell of a compliment considering uh, I think the linebacking core for – uh, for Oklahoma was pretty good. Hell, Wyoming had a decent linebacking core too. Um, but he might be right about that. I mean, this is a really good linebacking core for Oklahoma State. Uh, and it starts with the leading tackler, Nicholas Martin. I mean, he's a man. He's all over the place. You'll notice him early and often for Oklahoma State. Uh, what are your thoughts about the defense? They run the three safety defense, the three high. Um, they run, they use three safeties. I don't know if they use the three high, three down. They use three safeties. There is a difference for those who don't know. Um, but they, they use three safeties. One of them is huge. One of them is like, Kendall Downs is 6'4". He's like a hybrid, 6'4", 195, 200. Um, that dude's a freak, but maybe a freak that Texas can take advantage of potentially. Yeah, I, all their safeties are like uh, – well, their other two safeties are not that fast, and they can be had in coverage, especially the – I think Tucker or Rawls. Um, they're just like – savvy veterans that know what they're doing like your classic like four eight upperclassman knows mm -hmm. how to tackle knows how to be in the right spot yeah. but if you catch them in isolation they're not elite athletes and then daniels is like more of a special athlete but he doesn't see things fast enough to take advantage so like he's he plays basically the same position as bo frailer for iowa state the big old 20 yeah. pound safety that Iowa State had in the middle. Mm -hmm. Frailer sees things and he's there. He's like a really good player. And Daniels does not like Frailer, Iowa State basically gets this linebacker in the box that you don't account for every play. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Daniels does not do that for Oklahoma State because he just doesn't doesn't react yeah. quickly. Yeah. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um so they they can they can definitely be had, and they have been had quite a bit this year. If I'm them, I look at the Iowa State game and I'm like, why why do I why would I ever send more than three against Quinn Ewers? He's going to lock onto his primary, and then he's going to start looking around to see if somebody's about to hit him. So I'm dropping eight. 80% of the time, right? Or every once in a while, I'm like bringing the house. Right? It change the pace. Not like four or five, like six or seven. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to make them earn their way down the field. I'm not going to give them any one-on-one -on -one isolations when I can help it. <laughs> I'm going to make them convert in the red zone. We're going to be like, all the coaches are going to be on the, the edge of the box whenever Texas crosses midfield yelling like watch him watch wit or whatever <laughs> you know sark is going to draw something up to try to score from like the 30 or the 40 yeah because he don't want to play red zone offense he doesn't want to play red zone offense no and i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna coach the heck out of this game i like to, that to you know yeah no i agree with you about the the three rush three because I need to drop eight so I can take away his first read and still not lose the numbers advantage in the passing game. If I take away that first read, then I'll have time to get to him because he'll hold the ball just going through progressions naturally, which he does. So I'm with you. Now, taking finding out where the first read is going to be, sometimes maybe that's the struggle for the defense. Basically, maybe you're a guessing game there. But I'm sure with enough film study, you can do a reasonable job. Hell, Xavier Worthy is going to be it. Half the day, 60% of the time is X-Man. <laughs> right? if, if you just double everybody <laughs> – no if you got, yeah. you got you drop it eight, you actually can. You can yeah. You yeah. pretty much double everybody that you need to. And Jay yeah. Witt would probably be the one guy you don't want to double. Maybe you got two between doubling Jay Witt and JT, depending on the down. And JT sometimes stays as a blocker when they want to protect more. They get uh, more protection. 
I mean, if Texas comes into this game and, and has one of those days like at Oklahoma where they hit wit 10 times for 100 yards, it's like, yeah, you're okay. In you're in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so they deserve to be Big 12 champions. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I agree with that 100%, man. That's a that's a great game plan. And Gundy, I'm sure, man, trust me, he's going to figure out every little way to expose uh, and exploit the Texas offense. Um, okay, let, let's jump into one more thing here talking about this uh, this Texas offense versus this Oklahoma State defense before we get out of here. Um, who you, who's your main running back in this game? Uh, or does it, or is it balance? Because after Cedric Baxter, after with the performance he had versus Iowa State, then you watch Jaden Blue. Is there a matchup wise? Is one of these guys matchup wise fit better in terms of going against an Oklahoma State defense? Like I'm wondering now, just a curiosity. It's trust me, it's a first world problem. I'm uh, just curiosity. Or are you going to see Sark decide? No, we we're going to rotate these guys. We're going to have a stable of running backs. I like what all these guys bring to the table now. Probably that. Okay. Or maybe just play the hot hand. Yeah, uh, whoever, they reward whoever whoever's balling. Just reward them and say, "Hey, man, that's how we going from now on." You ball out, Baxter, you get it. Yeah, yeah. I think Baxter's the starter for a reason. Uh, so I'd play him unless, unless whatever reason that Jaden Blue hasn't been the starter has been addressed by Blue's play and practice since you know. Yeah. But I'd, pro- I'd probably just play start Baxter and rotate Blue, and if Blue goes off then ride that hot hand i guess yeah i like that um all right just keep in mind folks turnovers i think it's the only way texas can lose this game and oklahoma state they do have 20 takeaways on the season lone ones have 21 i believe it is right right now at this point so that's one thing they do really well they take away the football um all right uh next week Oh, man. I'm not sure what we'll be talking about next weekend. I'm not sure. I know we'll be talking about the Longhorns. I'm pretty confident we're talking about a Longhorn victory and a Big 12 championship. But what we'll be talking about the Longhorns playing for an even larger championship. I don't want to jinx it. If Texas wins, I think they're in the playoffs. You then? I don't care what anyone says. Like, something will happen. Like, one thing that could happen that would help them get in is – Louisville beats Florida State. Easy. Easy. And that is not, like, unlikely. I think Florida State's favored by, like, four or five. And number keeps dropping, too. Yeah. And I wonder I – don't, I don't understand how Tate Roadmaker got back in that game. He looked like he was knocked silly. And I don't know how he's not in concussion protocol right now. You know he's why. Sh- well, I know why. <laughs> you know why. <laughs> and uh, if they if he can't play and they have to play their third string quarterback against mm. one of the best pressure teams and definitely the ACC, maybe the country in Louisville, um, there's something else that could happen. Michigan could lose to Iowa. Now, is nasty. You're probably not going to lose to Iowa. I don't, know if Iowa, I don't know if Iowa scores more than six points, but. <laughs> If they did, then that's a spot. Um, what else could happen? Washington, I think Washington and Oregon just kind of plays itself out. Yeah, and they they'll get a spot. The winner is advanced. Winner pretty much. Yeah. I don't. If it's between Texas and a one-loss Oregon, though, I don't know for sure that they're going to keep Oregon above Texas. Oh man, because that, that Texas resume is so much stronger than Oregon's. It's crazy. But how? But that that all those data points that Texas has over Oregon: strength of record, strength of schedule, most top twenty-five wins, even common opponent now with Texas Tech. It hasn't gotten Texas to leapfrog Oregon at this point. So yeah. I don't know how they leapfrog them. How do you leapfrog? I've them seen them do it before. Yeah, I I've hope seen so. Them do it before they they it, it, it it would be it would be to me it would be justified because I don't know how the hell they're able to rationalize putting Oregon over Texas. That's not a homer pick. That's just looking at the data. Look at the data points. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it's because uh, Oregon beats bad teams by a lot of points. They beat Dion's crew when everybody was watching. Yes, that was awesome, but they're still getting credit for that. That's wild. That's I crazy. I know, but I think I think I mean these. I think these these ratings are just for getting clicks and getting more viewers and 
uh, you know, attention economy. They're trying to dominate your attention. Yeah. yeah, it can't be too boring, I guess. They went by the actual data points and be like, they will absolutely, they will absolutely like, is that Texas's music? And then Texas shows up with the chair and smack Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They will absolutely hey. do that. And, and hey, bro, I'm a wrestling fan, so that's the way I would have seen it, man. Oh, hey, I love stuff like that. All right, that's a great reference to end on right there, and I love that. Uh, all right, brother, thank you for all the knowledge. Thank you for the time. It was fun as always. You bet. All right, uh, that's it, boy. And I'm Rod Davis. Thank you guys for uh, listening and hanging out with another edition of Football Theory. We'll be back next week, same time and same channel, uh, hopefully talking about a Longhorn win. Hook them. <laughs>